Eric Metaxas. How many have never heard of Eric Metaxas? Okay, good. Uh, well, not good. Anyways, um, <laughs> he's really quite... He, the, <clears throat> just a really um, a guy, great man of God and very engaged. <clears throat> Speaks all over the place. He's also the author of a 600-page book on the, a biography on the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <clears throat> a lot of you heard this before, but for those who haven't, just bear with me. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a pastor in the 30s in Germany who tried to wake up the other pastors in Germany and confront the atrocities that he, they knew Hitler was doing, but everyone wanted to keep their head down. And the basic, basic thing he says is there were about 18,000 pastors in Germany at the time. 3,000 actually were, were al- aligned with Hitler. 3,000 were opposed. That wasn't the issue. It was the 12,000 in the middle who just decided to keep their head down. And any, any significant portion of those 12,000, had they stood up, Germany would, would look different today um, had they simply done that. And, but they wouldn't. And... Um, Bonhoeffer came uh, back to America during that time, and he was going around speaking, and, and he felt like God told him to go back to Germany uh, and stand up there, and he did. And he actually was executed, I think, the day before the end of the war. Uh, Hitler made sure he was, he was killed. Um, and the, 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 the issue was that the German church didn't stand up. So will we... The parallels, uh, the, the, this book, this is his book, Letter to the American Church, that um, from this book, they've made this one-hour uh, documentary. We'll watch this trailer here. Go ahead and get that ready, Paul. Okay. Um, but, and, but the parallels today, um, and will we stand up? And, and so I want to share something today to kind of help us um, prepare our hearts. Anyways, go, let's watch this. I'm convinced that the American church has arrived at a significant moment of truth. We are only 75, 80 years removed from three separate regimes that killed 60 to 70 million people intentionally. The parallels with where the American church is now to where the German church stood in the face of the Nazi regime are unavoidable and grim. need to understand really what Marxism is, which is to destroy the church, to destroy the word of God. So if you capture the seminaries, you capture the pastors, you capture the laity, you capture the soul of the world. Christianity is not just about saying Jesus loves you and then going to heaven one day, but that there's a war that's raging. The church is weakening, which is why Marxism is ascendant in America today. This is the hour of the American church. Let's pray. Father, we've heard your word. We we, we see the news. And um, we recognize you've called us into a battle. And um, the ultimate victory has already been determined. But who gets to join in that victory is, is the question. And we're here recognizing 
that you have placed us here for such a time as this. None of us asked for this, nor did we want this, but we are here. And I pray, God, you help us to shake off uh, any religious spirit or or self-deception or a fear of man. Um, these things that that keep us keeping our head down. And we keep us from being the salt that you said we are. They keep us from being the light, your light, that you said we are. And recognize what's really at stake here. So much more than a candidate or, or, or a political party, but the kingdom of God in people's hearts and lives in our nation. And so I pray, God, you open up our uh, hearts to hear what you have to say, regardless of what I say. Help us to hear what you have to say right now. And we, um, we come to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Um, <clears throat> I also have this other book here. Um, I've mentioned this before some time ago. Rod Dreher wrote this book, uh, Live Not by Lies. It's actually quoting uh, Alexander, so hard to say his name, Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> now I ask you to spell that, right? <laughs> but uh, likewise, he, he stood up um, uh, to his Russian uh, uh, you know, fellow citizens, as he was driven out of the country, his last speech to the people uh, was to choose to live not by lies. Um, because communism, you know, uh, the media and, and the lies that people were living by. And how many think we're, people in America right now are living by lies? Right? right? And if you refuse... To live by that lie, guess what happens? You get canceled, you get silenced, you maybe get labeled, you get any number of things. You might get even thrown in prison for three years without a, without a jury trial or um, to come after your stuff. Um, and that our determination as a people of God sh- needs to be that I choose to live by light. Live by the truth, right? Not by lies. Living by the truth of God. Uh, whatever that means. In all of my life, we've done that. When, and I know... Again, I, as I, I was able to share with some others, um, um, again, this, the, the principle, right? We talk about as, as believers in Christ, there's, there's an undergirding currency that we carry with us that we use in, in all of our exchanges interaction, right? It's truth, right? We live by truth. Now, you might think well, it's faith. Well, faith has to have an object, Right, you can have faith in the doorknob, for that matter. You know, you can have faith in Buddha. So, right, so faith, hope, you need hope. But even then, hope, hope in what has to have an object. And love, likewise, you can love your ice cream, love your dog, and love your love your spouse. That's not the same thing. But when it comes to to how we conduct our lives, obviously we walk in, in faith of God and um, and hope and confidence of what God is doing and and in love for others. But the, but the bottom line currency that about our lives is truth. We walk in the truth. And I I've just Maybe some have a better way to look at it, but I just see that as the currency of the kingdom of God. That in this world, we have the world's currency. Probably every one of you have some form of the world's currency with you right now: credit card, cash, you check. You know, if those who still write checks. You know, and we also should carry with us everywhere we go 
a determination. I'm living by the truth. I'll deal with you in truth. I'll speak the truth to you. I will not lie to you. I will not miscarriage. Um, uh, well, just I, don't, I will not uh, live my life uh, by anything but but truth. And so, and and so, if that's the case, the church. Uh, Martin Luther King said this. He said, um, "The church is the conscience of the nation." And. You could even say the pulpit is, is a conscience of the nation. When you understand the founding of this nation, we'll talk about that. Um, some of these things I, I've shared before, but our, our, <laughs> the attendance and consistency of our congregation is such in flux. Half this is probably the first thing you ever heard. So, um, but it's so important in light of what we're going we're to show this on Wednesday night. It's only an hour long, so we'll have time for talking about that. And I, I don't know about you, but I've been getting people contact me. Thank you for showing this. Thank you. I can't believe you're actually showing that in your church. And, we, and the thing we showed a week ago Saturday, let, uh, let my people go. Some are asking if we could show it again. Another group uh, up north was saying, hey, Tim, when are you, you going to do that? We're going to make sure we don't reschedule you know, about, about calling us back to God and recognizing our situation. And the ultimate purpose, if you saw Let My People Go, um, done by Dr. Uh, Professor David Clements, um, really about the voter stuff and, and the J- J6 people, at the end, he didn't take it like you got to get somebody elected. He says, we got to get on our face and repent before God, turn from our wicked ways and humble ourselves and pray. And so we understand that, right? This is what we need today. But the church, and even more so the pulpit, is a conscience of the nation. What happens when the conscience goes to sleep? Right? When it gets dulled. Um, that's not a good thing. And so we've got to understand that the church and the pulpit, we can't abandon our role in saving this nation so that the spreading of the gospel can go around the world as, uh, from America. Because the understanding that people say, oh, you're just getting political, you're trying to save America. No, saving America is exactly and ultimately about the gospel going around the world. And we'll talk about that more. But I just want to lay that out there again. You've heard, some of you heard me say that, but, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Ezekiel, um, and I believe that, that we as the church, the church is a prophetic voice. And I believe that we have become, the, we are like a watchman for this nation. Because we determine we're going to live by the truth, right? And so, as, as um, God spoke to Ezekiel, he said, Excuse me, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. This is, what we, this is where, where we are. We need to call out to them to the people around us and to our society, to our, to our public schools, um, to our city councils, um, to our, our elected officials. Um, and call out warning where we see it's necessary. Verse 18, when I say to a wicked man, you will surely die and you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, that wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man and he does not turn away from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he will die for his sin, but you have saved yourself. Do you think that's any different from a nation? When we have been given a platform, understand, and I'll talk about this more, but, but the kind of government we have, no other nation has ever never enjoyed the, the, where we are the sovereigns of the nation anyways. Like I said, I keep getting ahead of myself. He goes on in verse 20. He says, again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he will die. 
since you, since you did not warn him, he will die for his sin. The righteous things he did will not be remembered, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he will surely live because he took warning, and you will have saved yourself. We are accountable for our voice and our silence. Right? And um, when we have opportunity, uh, we need to speak up. Because we, I, I believe we are a watchman. I look at more of this um, in the, later on. But here, this is, these are just copies of sermons uh, from before and during, you know, before and after the um, uh, revolution, Revolutionary War in 1776. But the thing was, the pulpits in the early, in, uh, in the 1600s and 1700s, leading up to the revolution, into the 1800s, um, the, pulp, the pulpits thunders. Those little bumps on the bottom, those are people's heads. Uh, this was at a conference we were at. Actually, the first pastor summit we went to with the Turning Point USA. And so I, I, was, I got some screenshots. And so there's a, if you've seen those, those funny bumps, those are people's heads. But these are our, our, our sermons on, uh, here's this one, the discourse on education, good education in children. There was a election sermons. There's sermons about patriotism and about, uh, um, all the, about judges and, and various different kind of things about, the, about presidents. I mean, the, the pulpit was a watchman for America, calling them to the word of God in all areas of society. In, in fact, every point... Uh, made in the Declaration of Independence, for example, were sermons that were preached up until 1765 or so. Um, and they weren't concerned about getting political, right? They're about founding a nation based on truth. And the pulpits thundered, and um, Alexis de, Toc- de Tocqueville back in, later on in the 18, early 1800s came to America from France, you know, and find out why is America so great. He went to, they went businesses and government. He didn't find it. Then he went to the churches, and he saw the, 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 the call for righteousness and, and the, the opposing of, of, of wickedness and immorality and, and deceitfulness. And he said, America is great because America is good. America is good because the pulpits are thundering uh, the truth. And that's what we need today. Amen? Um, and so let's look at America. Just a few little encouraging things. <laughs> How about the devaluing of human life in the womb? That's been going on for what, since the 70s? Um, and, and here, like Oregon, I mean, like, California, Washington, they want to install in our Constitution and as well as the resident of the White House and his party. They want to install in the Constitution of the United States and in our state Constitution um, somehow that there's there's a right to take the life of an unborn child somewhere in the Constitution. They want to implant that in there. Um, This is evil. Uh, This is a shedding of innocent blood. And... um, God is very serious about calling the, the adults, the leadership, and the country to account for the shedding of innocent blood. If they don't step up, then he will eventually. Um, just the devaluing of human life in itself. You know, there's this, uh, how about what I heard, like Canada in the last, I don't know, year or two, 55,000 Canadians have been put to death. Um, and they're not even, not even because they were terminally ill. They're just so depressed 
Well, I think you're probably better off. This this kind of thing. And um, you could also talk about the whole climate thing and, and um, that, that human life is, is not any more valuable than an endangered slug, you know, I mean, you know, or, or, or kangaroo rat. You know, we heard those old stories. And that, that human life has been devalued, been, been brought down to the level of, of animal. And this is, this is clearly um, uh, hurtful. The dismantling of the institution of marriage and family. Um, I mean, you just... There's even those out there who have stood before crowds at TED Talks, if you're familiar with them, to advocate that um, a consenting adult man and a 10-year-old boy, maybe they could get married too. You know, that's, I mean, these kind of just evil things and and, and the destruction of of marriage, this uh, Black Lives Matter is not, they don't care about black lives. Uh, If they did, they'd care about um, the 40% uh, of abortions being black babies. They would care about that, but they don't talk about that. And they wouldn't have spent all their money on their mansions there surrounded by high walls and security, the millions of dollars that they spent on themselves. Um, but uh, Black Lives Matter is a... Um, con- they actually confess that they are trained Marxists. The, the, the very goal of, of Marxism uh, that, that, that people say they're progressives, just call them neo-Marxists, a pastor, Ken Ortiz of... Uh, Calvary Spokane, he, I listened to a, a message he just gave recently. He says, I just call them neo-Marxists. Because Marxism is about destroying the nuclear family. Saying the family is oppressive. That God's design for a husband and a wife and children and, and that structure, that is oppressive. That the husband is oppressing the wife. She's not able to go out and build her own life and career, and the, and, and the parents are oppressing the children because it's making them obey and eat their vegetables, and they can't do whatever they want. They can't just become whatever they want. And so, therefore, uh, bad, da- bad men, ba- men are just bad, right? This toxic max- masculinity, right? And women, forget this whole thing about being enslaved at the kitchen sink, you know, you know barefoot and pregnant. Um, you, know, you know, go do your own thing, and the, the children belong to the state. We can see how all that works out, right? The normalizing of immoral behavior, LGBTQ, A, B, C, D, F, G, H, H, A, K, um, all these things. Uh, that There's a law, there's a, a bill right now that is making its way through uh, the state house um, that uh, the governor and his uh, people of his side, they, they want, to, there's some kind of LGBTQ AI commission that this bill is to say that they, I've shared this with you, but that they should have the ability to go through all the public school curriculum and identify every homosexual, gay, and queer individual, uh, identify their their immoral behavior, their lifestyle, and and, and make sure everybody knows that this person did this wonderful thing for, for this nation and they were a queer person or they were homosexual. And uh, at the same time, have removed everything about Christianity and faith from our our public school history books. Um, uh, The rejection of God's design, just talk about male and female, you know, and how many genders are there? 72, 60. You you look at Facebook now. Is that right? You could pick your gender and, you know, those all these um, all these things. Uh, and, and what's happening to children. Uh, good, good is called evil, and evil is called good. We see that in so many ways. Uh, children are being lied to in our schools that you can be whatever you want. No, you boy, you cannot be a girl. And, and in fact, there, we also know 
that even children, their bodies literally are being mutilated under the eyes of, of, of gender-affirming care. Even a, a girls as young as 13 having um, top uh, surgery. You know what I'm talking about. Um, and then the embracing of atheism and rejecting our Christian heritage as they tear down our monuments, uh, recognizing these kind of things. So we also have this issue that's happening today in America, uh, and this is probably the most fundamental threat to this nation. Uh, and that freedom, as Benjamin Franklin said, he said, freedom of speech is a principal pillar of a free government. When this support is taken away, the constitution of a free society is dissolved and tyranny is erected on its ruins. I'm not really sure so much that we've got an America in name only, really. With the disinformation people, the, the censors that are going on, you either have dis, if you don't agree with, with the COVID narrative and the, and the, and the vax narrative, um, I had another guy just saw him post a thing that, that all, it's all the unvaxxed people that are killing everybody. And uh, it's, when actually the reality is, number one, it's not a vaccine. It was an experimental mRNA uh, technology never used on humans until it was rushed through an emergency youth authorization uh, and put in your arm. And we had no idea what it does. And now we have these excess deaths, tens of thousands of excess deaths in country after country. Um, and, oh, we don't know why that's happening. Uh, and and the, tur- the turbo cancer and the various things. And yet, if you, even now, they said, if you don't get a shot, then you really don't love your neighbor. And we just might as well shut you up. And so many other things that's happened that, that's it's almost become a laughing style. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I got... I got censored on youtube you know yeah that must mean you're doing something right the problem is we're, we're turning it into a joke and don't recognize that what's happening in this america america is what's happened in, in communist countries and uh other uh place of tyranny and stuff like that that if you do not say the approved uh line that you are you are shut down this is already happening in america and people we may not like the word tyranny but we need to get get used to the reality or, or, or change our understanding. This is not the America it was 40 years ago. It's not. We need to adjust what kind of America is it, right? The men of Issachar, right? We talk about that. They understood the times. They knew what Israel could do. We can't keep living back in the, in, in the, t- in the day before all this, this just madness this gender madness, this LGBTQ, this drag queen stuff, this, uh, all these just crazy things. Um, before that, life was different then. We have to adjust and wake up to what it is right now and recognize that this is a reality. And we got to recognize that America is on her last legs, probably on life support. And then how about this? Benjamin Frank famously said this, when the people find they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of the republic. Well... How many people are all excited uh, that get their COVID check, you know, you know, or a, a vote for this person? I'll pay off your school loans. Yeah, right. So being aware of, of, of where we're at. This, this is the whole thing. It, and the reason I'm showing this uh, Wednesday, the reason we showed the other one and we'll show some more is is not because I'm trying to like, 
um, campaign for some political side. It's about that, that we could see, see our country and our world as it really is right now. Because if we do, I believe that that will motivate us to go to our knees and call out to the only one who could fix this. Because so many, of, so many are, are just content to just go through life. Well, yeah, I know it's bad, but, you know, God's in control. And then they walk up and, and don't do anything. I, I, I wrote a whole column on that whole idea that God is in control. God is in control in the sense he will direct everything that happens to his final end. But we are in control as what happens in the meantime, where we, how we react. We're in control as whether we'll be part of the kingdom of God and his work or whether we'll be joining with the kingdom of darkness. We're in charge by our choices and by our, the way we choose to live as to whether we'll be a blessing to this nation and blessing to God, or we'll be in op- opposition to the gospel and, 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 and promote more lies um, and, and, and not be the watchman that, that we are called to be. And so, so this is, I've, I've heard some younger guys, younger pastors say something like this. Well, you know, if God wants to judge America, well, he's in control. He has a reason. <sighs> want to scream at the ignorance of such a statement. Ignorance, I mean, of the consequences for that. We'll look at that in just a second. They said like this, like, well, you're a Christian and it's your duty under God to submit to government no matter what. And you're sinning if you don't. Or, well, since Jesus, Paul, and the other other apostles did not get involved in their government or call for their followers to rebel against the tyranny of their day, then all Christians should stay out of politics and submit to whatever government they find themselves living under. I have a whole lot more that I, in another message I have presented. We're not going to go too far. Let me look at this. This is how some people forgive the... This is my... I made this, so it's kind of goofy, but it gets the point across. Some people, this is how they view God in their life. Because, you know, the big circle there is, that's you. The cute little smile, that's you. All right, that's me. And then you have that circle over there, marriage and family, that's in part of my life. Government, politics, you know, you know my form of entertainment's over there, things I, that are good or bad. Maybe my career, my focus is another part of my life. What I think maybe about education and medical health care, you know. And, oh, God gets a corner too. God and faith, he's part of my life. And that's how so many Americans in churches live their life. As if, and so, well, we don't, we don't mix the, the God and, and politics. We don't, we, don't, we don't do that. As if, as if that's what it means to be a Christian. So here's, my, here's, here's what I think it, it should look like. That God, it, he's the big circle. And that, 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 uh, that arrow is like we return to our, to our Father. And that everything about us is inside God, our faith in God, that, that we surrender all, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And therefore, everything in our life is subject to the word of God and, and the commands of God, the principles of God, including our politics. In fact, I would say, and I've said this before in other settings, but you don't have views on any of those things until after you decide who your God is. Right? And people have all, everybody's got a God, right? It might be themselves. It might be, you know, you know, uh, what's his name? Barney, the dinosaur, you know. But we all have a, something that we, we determine that's truth. Um, and then from there, we fill in the blanks in all these different areas of our life. 
And so to say you don't mix your politics with your religion, you don't have politics until you determine your religion, right? Your, all the things about your life come from our faith. Amen, Pastor Tim. That's a great word there. So, you know, as, well, I just focus on the gospel and don't get involved in the dirty worldly politics. And it is dirty, it is worldly, it is nasty. Jesus, you know, I just preached Jesus and him crucified. But I want to tell you this. Could this approach actually be dangerous to the reaching of the gospel around the world? And I will say yes. If, this, if you have this understanding, understand also the word gospel uh, is, is way overused. Um, uh, what do you mean by that? You know, John 3.16, Revelation 3.20. Is the gospel just about how to get safely from here to there? Right? You've heard me say this before. No, it, it's, it's about how we live our life. Jesus says, teach, you know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Right? So, but look at this. And I've, I've sh- showed this before. And this is an older, older stat. Um, but... Just this, those who say, I just preached Jesus, just like you read that, that. Our freedom to preach Jesus is because of the form of government we have. Whether we continue to have such freedom depends on, <clears throat> on how we steward our freedom and the government we have been given. <coughs> Pardon me. This is the, the global presence of, of sending out missionaries and, uh, around the world. Uh, this is a 2010 stat, but that top one is the United States. 127,000 uh, in that year. Um, and we received 32,000. Um, you'd have to go down, including the UK, add up Brazil, France, Spain, Italy, South Korea, and the United Kingdom, I think. And that equals what the United, the United States does alone in the area of missions. The preaching of the gospel is, is, goes around the world from the United States of America at levels never seen before in the history of the church especially or uh, what's the word I want because of the form of government we have and so do you think the devil and the kingdom of, of darkness know that so how do you hinder the gospel going around the world you take out America so we should want to save America for the sake of the gospel. So the efforts to do that, you're not getting political. You haven't forgot the gospel. You are in protecting the message of the gospel and wanting it to continue. And there are those, one guy, Fred Mar- uh, Markert, how many of you remember I mentioned him a couple years ago was at a church awakening conference, which we are going to in March again, Cindy and I, and hopefully our Pakistan pastor if he makes it. And we are... We would appreciate some help with some gas, and that, that, would, that would help us. But, but he spoke and had done some study about what happens with the spread of the gospel. And when, when uh, tyrannies and dictators take over, you, you could see that the drop in, 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 in the growth of the church. He went back several centuries or, uh, or more with the stats he had. And, and so that this, is, this is significant uh, for us. Um, as we understand things. So, so Romans 13. Well, Romans 13, Romans 13. I get so tired of hearing that. We're supposed to obey. What it says, For rulers do not, are not a terror to, to good works, but to evil. 
Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, meaning from the authorities. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does evil. For he who does not bear the excuse me, I'm for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Does that sound like our government right now? Some of it, I, I'm sure, but certainly not a lot of it. So Romans 13 teaches the proper government that, that we, that's worthy of our submission is one that acts as a minister of God for good, right? Who avenges the evil by executing wrath, in, in, the, in the biblical terms, on the evildoers and awards and protects those who do good. That's the government that, that we are to govern for. Well, that's the government that, that God in, uh, has um, uh, calls uh, governments to be. That's how they, they, they should be. Look at, look at uh, Peter same thing. He says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, ordinance like the laws, whether to the king as supreme or governors as to those who are sent by God for the punishment of who? The evildoers and the praise of those who, right? For this is the, the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. The government that we submit to are the ones who fulfill their role in protecting society upholding the laws and, and calling to account those evil, evildoers. What happens when they flip? You have violated your role. Well, I, I, I would even say that even uh, when, when Inslee uh, took this unconstitutional in, 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 um, in, um, in practice, this emergency youth emergency um, declaration that he used for almost three years, he, be, he, he put himself as the emperor. I would kind of jokingly call him Emperor Inslee, but he did take over. He took the legislative uh, power away from the legislature in the area of COVID, and he just made laws. And he also became the judicial branch because then he at least tried to tell the sheriffs to, to go and find people who don't, Bow to the mask mandates and the and the, you only have five people in your house on Thanksgiving and and don't have anybody in your church. You know, you can't Oh, don't sing. Don't sing. Any, or one person can sing all these all these kind of things. Um, they have violated their oath of office and the biblical command to protect the, the good and punish the evil. And I, we are under no obligation to follow that. Fact, even more than more, uh, go on. But Romans 12, uh, 18 says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And we try. And our founding fathers who wrote the Declaration of Independence, they tried as much as possible to live peaceably with King George, but it would not happen. So then what? So this is right out of the Declaration of Independence. They said that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends... It is the right and duty of the people to alter or abolish it, throw, throw it off, and to institute new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. The next statement, they says, and his history proves that you don't just do this lightly. You don't, you don't make that kind of a judgment because you didn't like one thing he said, you know. 
Um, but this is, this is what they're talking about. Alice Baldwin, Ph.D., writing back in the 20s, um, really esteemed uh, historian at Duke University. She said this. I want you to help me with this. It says, probably the most fundamental principle of the American constitutional system is a principle that what? Now, read those, read those bold words with me. No one is bound to obey an unconstitutional act. What did Peter and John say? Judge for yourself whether we should obey God or obey men. Right? It goes on. No single idea is more fully stressed, no principle more often repeated through the first 60 years of the 18th century. That's leading up to the revolution. Then that governments must obey law. And he who resisted one in authority who was violating that law was not himself a rebel, but a protector of law. I'm going to tell you right up, our president, our resident of the White House, he and his former boss have chosen to not execute the laws that they have been constitutionally uh, required to. Our southern border would be one. There's laws on the books. He, he just, I'm not, I'm not doing it. In fact, I'm opening up the borders. He is violating the law, violating his oath of office. He has he trampled on the Constitution. And so it is wrong for us to just sit down and go, well, let's, we just don't mix religion and politics. Let's just be quiet. We can't, we can't do that. So we have to stand up. Thomas Jefferson said this, when corruption has prevailed in those offices of government, and has so familiarized itself as that men who would otherwise honest could look on it without honor, with, excuse, without, without horror, then we must be alive to the suppression of this odious practice and bring to punishment and brand with eternal disgrace every man guilty of it, whatever be his station. We have to call them out. He also said, when injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty. As the watchmen of the nation who have the truth of God, we must be willing to stand up. About done here. This is Jonathan Mayhew. He's a preacher. Uh, He died. He's only 46 years old when he died. But he, um, he spoke very strongly uh, about this, and I've got three slides here, just but so you can see his words. He said, No government is to be submitted to at the expense of that which is the sole end of all government, the common good and safety of society. The only reason for the institution of civil government and the only rational ground for submission to it is the common safety and utility or help, you know, effectiveness, helpfulness in society. He says, if therefore in any case the common safety and utility would not be promoted by submission to government, but the contrary, there is no ground or motive for obedience and submission, but for the contrary. And last thing he said, when once magistrates act contrary to their office and the end purpose of their institution, when they rob and ruin the public, come on, Instead of being guardians of its peace and welfare, they immediately cease to be the ordinance and ministers of God. And no more deserve that glorious character, a minister of God, than common pirates and highwaymen. This was uh, the proposed national seal that Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and John Adams wanted. Can you read that, what's around it? 
Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And the picture that in the middle there, that's, that's the cloud of day by day and fire by night over the Israelites. On the left side, there on the, that's Moses with his hands outstretched, and that's all the Israelites. They've crossed the, the Red Sea, and, of course, that's Pharaoh's army drowning in, in there. And he, they, they, they had a problem. They couldn't not mix their religion with their politics, right? Because our government is so different from the one Paul and others uh, have. Our form of government is generally known. Uh, it's a representative, uh, one known as federalism. And this is, maybe you know this, but this is so much much better biblical uh, worldview that our rights come from God and come to the people. Amen? And the people choose their governing authorities. That they consent. They govern at the consent of the governed. Uh, the, the government protects the rights for the citizens, and the sovereign political power is in the people, not in the, not in the White House, not in the uh, governor, etc. The federal government is limited, and they must obey the law. And you understand, our Constitution was written to restrict the government, not the people, right? And the, the states were closest to the people, and so the states were given more power. And the people have the right and the duty to remove them. So that in keeping with our former government, our godly heritage, and the Bible, we Christians not only can stand against evil, against the laws and decrees from our government, we are obligated by our faith and our founding documents to do so. Therefore, disobedience to them is not a sin, it's actually a duty. Right? A few things, uh, 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 the second leader of the Second Great Awakening, Charles Finney, he said the church must take right ground. Some of you have seen this before, but... The church must take right ground in regards to politics. Politics are a part of, of a religion in a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to their country as part of their duty to God. Right? And so in his article, The Decay of Conscience, uh, uh, Charles Finney wrote this. He wrote, these are just some excerpts. He says, If immorality prevails in the land, the fault is ours in a great degree. Right? The church is, is the conscience of the nation, Right? If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, boy, do they, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses its interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, the pulpit is responsible for it. He said, if our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are already are ready to fall away, which they are, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation. And then he said, God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. I'm so glad our founding fathers stood up, right? Their faith informed their politics. Their faith in God and understanding of the Bible uh, shaped uh, a constitution and a society in which even atheists can be free, right? But even more so where the gospel, the truth of God can, 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 can grow and prosper and be sent around the world. Um, so just review this, um, this whole idea. You know, is that, I don't know, I'm probably preaching to the choir here. 
But God can't be just one of the little circles in our life, right? He, uh, all the circles of our life have to be in him. Amen? With all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and God's promise to the, and Jeremiah, just close with this, Jeremiah uh, 18. He says, and this is for any nation. You know, we look, look in the Old Testament and you find what they're speaking to Israel. What do he say here? If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. This is a promise of God. This is a, another covenant. This is like Second Chronicles 7.14. If you will repent as a nation, America, I will relent from the, from the, from the judgment that I have planned for you. He says, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and America... Right? This is what the Lord says. Look, I'm preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. We serve a God who is quick to forgive, right? It's slow to bring judgment, but quick to forgive. And we can stand on the promises of, of God. And that we know that the two greatest commandments, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This, and, the, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. When we stand up, allow ourselves to become a target against an evil and corrupt and immoral government, society, public school system that is, that is just taking lives, then we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. When we keep our head down, we kind of be quiet because we don't want to get, get, um, have people um, say bad things about us, then we are only loving ourselves. We don't care about them. The standing up to evil and corruption, immorality, um, that's what loving your neighbor is. And that silence in the face of evil is itself, as you saw, evil. Um, and so we, um, we have a chance um, to live not by lies, right? And that none of us, I was reading this somewhere, none of us asked for this. I kind of would like to, you know, I'm at that age you wish think about retirement, you know, and I, I have nothing to retire on except I have a beautiful wife and wonderful family, um, and that's a pretty good thing. Um, and you didn't either. You you, you had plans, and um, but I, I just, you know, not everybody wants. Somebody don't want to hear hear. A pastor say these kinds of things, and but what else can we do? We are this watchman. We've been given truth, and we're in a country, and we we actually have tools to confront the wicked, if corrupt government. We have tools right now in our hands. We have rights to go and speak at at, at council meetings and and school board meetings. We have we have tools to remove people from office if if we can somehow fix the voting thing. But we, you know, we, have, we have these kind of tools that are available to us. We have the referendum and initiative uh, thing. We have all kinds of ways in which we can be a, a, a voice for truth and light. We have social media has transformed it. Some people say, well, I just get off of social media. What if you decided to get on it and be the light that needs to be and take advantage of the, of the ubiquitous nature of it across this world uh, and, and, and get, get that word out? And be willing to say, God, you can use me. Show me that you're not just one little circle in my life. My whole life is in you.
And so I don't know what that looks like for you necessarily, but definitely know what it looks like for a church. That we, the church needs to come together. That needs to, to uh, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. To, to lay down the other things that keep us from, from actual fellowship with the people of God because we recognize that time is short, right? And we are the ones that God wants to use. He doesn't care about how many, right? Gideon was proof of that, right? Just the people who are willing. Just uh, go in the strength you have and I'll be with you. And you watch, we're going to defeat those Midianites, right? There are so many stories of, of God moving in revival in countries and communities uh, that have been documented. I've shared before with the Sentinel Group and the transformation videos that's happening right now. We're going to show you a, a, a clip next week of probably of the Gates of White Clay, uh, the transforming, powerful transforming effect of God, what God's doing in, uh, um, in a little tiny area, South Dakota, North Dakota, Indian tribe, uh, totally transformed uh, from corruption and alcoholism and demonism because God came and began to change the society. See, that's, and I'll tell you, we, we have an unfair advantage if we, will, if we will take advantage of that, and that is getting our knees and calling upon the king of the universe, amen? And, and, and that he would come and do a work in us that, that I don't care how much the political left wants to do their kind of things. They only have, uh, they don't have the power, the access to God and his kingdom that we have. Um, and, um, and that we would submit ourselves for the purposes of God um, in this day um, uh, and trusting him to um, empower us, to revive us, and to, and to give us the courage to stand up because, my goodness, does our kids and our grandkids want us to stand up. They're going to thank us later that we did or they'll curse us for not. Amen? So if you agree with anything I said, why don't you stand up? <laughs> That's a sucker thing, right? Um, so are we willing to answer that call, whatever whatever that is? I think, like, again, I know some of this isn't new to a lot of you and but as we are, you probably got your primary ballots in the mail. We're entering into this is a very contentious year. It will be definitely a very contentious year. And uh, are the lies going to win or the kingdom of God going to win? And um, we need to be that, that light and salt. So if you want to just say, yes, Lord. Would you just come and join me up here and maybe we can close around here and just petition God to move upon us, move in us and through us. And then I just close in prayer. And right. Yes, definitely. Let's let's yeah. Or I said we should pray for Israel, a piece of Israel and and Jerusalem and the hostages, yeah. So let's just lift our hands and we just thank you that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you that 
It's not by might. It's not by power, but by your spirit. Lord Jesus, you. Um, there's none. We sang it. There's none like you. And God, we but we stand here aware of a very crucial time in this nation's history, and we also aware that we happen to be at an adult age at this time. And so then clearly, if we're not already, many are, but if we're not already, you are calling us to be salt and light in a very significant time of this nation's history. And we just want to say, Lord, I want, use me. And you just tell them that, just use me, fill me, fill us, Lord. Shake off the religious mentalities. Shake off the things that keep us blinded to what's really happening. And I pray, as, as, the, as you said to, to Joshua, as he took over from Moses, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And so, Father, we're, we're, we're coming to you right now for us as your church to give ourselves to you. Maybe just reaffirm ourselves for your purposes, God, in this day. That we know that though things are, are going in a negative way, we, we see what you do when you come to town. We also recognize you have certain requirements for him coming to town of our humbling ourselves, of, of repenting of our sin and, and seeking your face, Lord God, and, uh, and, and, and following your way, Lord Jesus. And, and so we, we set our sights in that way that you might come and do the work and cancel the, the agenda of, of darkness that wants to take out the lives and the futures and the purposes of our children and our grandchildren, Lord, in Jesus' name. And God, that, 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 that not only will the gospel not be, be lessened as far as its distribution and missionaries around the world from America, but because of what you do here through your people humbling ourselves before you and calling out to you, that God, it will, it will, it will multiply around this world, Lord. Uh, and many, many more will hear the gospel because we recognize we were in a battle. We stood up, God, and then you added your spirit to that, Lord God, uh, and multiplied the effect, Lord God, um, uh, to cancel out, um, not just cancel out the, the, the enemy's uh, plans, but to accelerate uh, your message of, of, of forgiveness and life and deliverance um, before that last day. And we also do want to lift up Israel to you, Lord. Um, so many lies out there about them, Lord Jesus, and and yet they have been targeted um, for genocide by these godless, uh, wicked, demonic um, ideologies and organizations, nations, and uh, and such. And Father, we just pray for for just heaven's army to just surround that nation, to, that, that the wisdom of God might be imparted into the leaders of the nation, regardless of what decisions they made in the past. May they make the right um, godly decisions, strategy, Lord God. You'd expose the efforts of the enemy uh, that wants to just kill and destroy women and children and babies um, 
And God, that the stone that the enemy wants to roll upon Israel would fall back and roll upon them. Lord God, and that you would do it in such a way that all the world would know that God is fighting for Israel. That God is answering the prayers of the people of God. And, and that the enemy is crushed under your feet. In Jesus' name. And we ask you, God, also for the deliverance and the, of these, the, the hostages that are still being held. Lord, I pray right now, especially that those women who have been, that, that, that are, are in that situation, that you would, you would just, just crush any more attempt to any more abuse on these women. Lord, in Jesus' name. And set them free. Lord God, set them free soon. I, I, God, we just ask that you, that, that the wicked um, uh, lies that are coming from some uh, leaders in this country to try and tell them to um, not defend themselves, that they would not bow to that, but stand up for what is right and true, that their enemy might be just defeated um, and, um, and that Israel would be free. We just thank you. We just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father, our hope is in you. Meaning our confident expectation is in you and no one else. And we believe, God, that you're going to do something great. And that you you are even moving here in this area, in this state. And God, we, we don't have to succumb to the supposed narrative or the certain direction things seem to be going now, but God, that you, you can turn things around. And we, we, we intend to, to seek you for that very purpose. And we just give you praise and give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. He's able. <clears throat> amen. Okay. God bless you.